Hi, I'm Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about ITA Group's new Global Security Engagement Scorecard. It's my pleasure to be speaking with Julie Conroy, the Research Director with ITA Group. Julie, thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Good to speak with you, Tom. So I'm really fascinated to talk with you about this latest research. We hear a lot, especially in the past year, about financial institutions looking for that balance of security and the, the prime customer experience. Is that what inspired this latest research? You know, that's, that's part of what inspired it. As I talk to executives at financial institutions and e-commerce merchants who are yeah, theoretically responsible for fraud prevention, they very much equally feel like they are wearing that customer experience hat and you know it's, it's difficult to find the balance. The other thing that inspired this research was you, know, you see a lot of research out there that you know, asks consumers how much they care about fraud and then proceeds to ask them, well, because you care so much about fraud, would you do X, Y, and Z? And you know, the reality is that those hypotheticals oftentimes don't manifest into action when consumers are faced with a choice between convenience and fraud prevention and security. So as we initiated this study, what we were really trying to do was take the hypothetical out of it and not get the, the answer the consumer thought we were looking for, but instead ask consumers about things that they are doing in their current day-to-day -day lives, you know, readily accessible tools that we all already have out there to see you know, how engaged they actually are. Talk to me a little bit more about that, Julie. When you decided to create a global security engagement scorecard, what are the goals and what do you want people to do with this research? Well, as we looked at this, you know, one of the, one of the goals here was to understand are there differences in consumers' willingness to engage, willingness to participate in fraud prevention uh, that have cultural biases? Is the different level of training and education that consumers have in different countries, has that made some consumers more willing to participate or more willing to put up with friction than others? And yeah, I'm going to spoil some of the punchline here. But you know, one of the key findings was that you know, some of those cultural differences really are dictated by the amount of skin a customer has in the game at the end of the day. As you look at countries like India and South Africa, where the concept of zero liability for fraud is not well established, we found dramatically more engagement and willingness to engage in fraud prevention and security because at the end of the day, the consumer had a vested interest because they had actual financial exposure in the case of fraud. Julie, that's a great segue into my next question, which is what are the most important findings from your research? Well, I think you know, that, that one was one of them, which was really that uh, you know, if consumers feel like they are going to be covered for fraud. And it's you know, in the US market, it's a beautiful thing that we have Reg E and Reg Z that, that protect us. And it's really you know, that, that zero liability concept, those concepts of Reg E and Reg Z are why credit cards are so well established here, because consumers feel protected. They feel comfortable using them. 
It's why online banking is so well established here because we have protections, uh, especially in this age of rising tide of data breaches and, and thefts and things. But at the same time, it makes bringing a more interactive fraud prevention and security experience very challenging. You know, we don't have a lot of consumers that would be willing to put a dongle into their computer and to stick their EMV card into it to do a CNP transaction here. There, there just would not be that level of tolerance because it is a complete inconvenience. And why should we inconvenience ourselves to that extent when we don't have any personal exposure? And, you know, we saw that in the research in the Canadian market, in Australia, and Spain, where, again, we have very well-established consumer protections. So it really, it highlights the fact that if we want to develop a more secure infrastructure around digital payments, digital banking, we need to figure out ways to do it that do not require a huge amount of customer education, do not require a huge amount of customer friction. And the timing of this interview is great because I think two of the acquisitions we've seen in the past week show that there is a lot of recognition of that fact. You know, Visa acquired Cardinal Commerce and Amex acquiring Inos. So, Julie, you talked about India and South Africa. Which of the regions that you studied scored the highest in this scorecard and why? So, India was substantially higher than all of the other countries that we looked at. And again, it goes back to the fact that the concept of zero liability for credit card fraud, for online banking fraud, is not well established there. And so consumers feel like they have personal financial exposure in the case of credit card, debit card, prepaid card fraud. And interestingly, there, there's actually a bill pending with the Reserve Bank of India right now that would extend and guarantee some of that zero liability for Indian consumers. South Africa was close behind. And again, that's another area where the concept of zero liability, um, again, both for online banking fraud as well as credit card and debit card fraud, is not well established with those consumers. And even you know, from a MasterCard perspective, they're, they're gradually rolling this out across the globe. But just because it's there from a MasterCard perspective doesn't mean the education has filtered down to the consumer yet, which was manifest in the level with which those consumers are engaging with security best practices, are actively registering for things like credit and debit card alerts, and also the concern about fraud. So after we asked about all of these best practices and whether or not consumers are doing them, we, we finished the survey asking them about the concern about fraud. And we found that in South African and Indian markets, the percentage of consumers that said that they are very concerned about fraud was substantially higher than it was in all other markets. Interesting, Julie, having just returned from India, and I see the move that's being made there to become a cashless society as more consumers use more payment cards. Do you expect the scorecard to change if you were to go back in two, five years' time and, and conduct this research again? Well, this is research that we intend to do on a regular basis to kind of track the progress of different countries and look at the different factors there. And I do think we're going to see differences across the board in countries. You know, if we see the RBI proposal go through 
and we see zero liability come into the fore, I, I think that we will see that uh, Indian consumers will probably gradually be a little bit less engaged and willing to actively participate. But some of it also, it, it's not just about the protections, but some of it is just about habituation. It's about you know, getting accustomed to participating in the, the fraud prevention process. India, for some time, has had a mandate that came from the RBI for multi-factor authentication for card not present transactions. And as you have this experience taking place across the ecosystem, then consumers start getting to be a little bit better trained. But you have to have it be ubiquitous. It can't be piecemeal. Because without the ubiquity, you don't have that opportunity for habituation. So that was a really long way of saying that, uh, yes, I, we're, we're going to continue to do this on a periodic basis. And I do think we are going to see changes in geographies over time as the, yeah, as the threat landscape changes, as the protections change, and as technology changes. Julia, you talked about India and South Africa, which scored particularly high. Which regions scored lowest? And again, why would you say that? You know, it's, it's always fun to go into this research and have some surprises. So going in, I was hypothesizing that U.S. was going to come in dead last. We have a, a notorious lack of tolerance for friction. And when it comes to a choice between convenience and security, we usually choose convenience. It was actually the Canadians that came in dead last. They, uh, they, they just edged us out. And I think part of that is because you, know, you do have a more homogeneous bank market there. They went to EMV before we did, and so you know, some of the, the concerns about credit card fraud, database breaches, are, are not necessarily quite as top of mind as what we have here in the U.S. And quite frankly, the, the Canadian banks do an excellent job with fraud prevention. And so the, the consum Canadian consumers, I think, feel very protected both by the regulatory environment but also by their banks. So there really is a lot of validation here for people that have worked in the anti-fraud business for a number of years who have always said the message isn't going to get across until the consumer has skin in the game. Yeah, I mean, I think this, this research really validated that. And I don't think we're going to see a change in the environment putting more skin in the game for consumers. Um, I, I don't think actually that's the answer because, again, this is one of the reasons why credit cards and debit cards are, are so successful. But I, I think it really reinforces the need to have better behind-the-scenes fraud prevention capabilities um, that can create better security environments at the same time that we can keep, you know, keep friction out of the user experience. And I think that... The ubiquity, the increasing ubiquity of the mobile device and some of the security controls that are available to us in that environment are giving us some of that opportunity. Julie, what would you say are the key messages for financial institutions and even other organizations that want to seek this balance between security and a frictionless customer experience? It, it would be look to the mobile device. Yeah, there, there's a lot of opportunity in. The U.S. market in Canada, we're seeing around 70% of all consumers now have a smartphone. And that provides a lot of opportunity to use security embedded in that device, not only to secure transactions that go through the device itself, 
but then start to use your knowledge of that device to secure transactions in all of your channels. And so I'm seeing a lot of activity on, on that front. I think it also reinforces the importance of customer education. You know, one of the, the really interesting <laughs> findings in this research was, as I said, we asked consumers in all of these countries what type of, you know, how concerned they are about a variety of types of fraud. Credit card fraud, debit card fraud, identity theft. And one of the really interesting things for me was that in every single country, consumers were the most concerned about, about credit card fraud and had the least relative concern about identity theft. Which, when you think about the actual personal exposure for a consumer, it really should be the reverse. Because, again, in, in most of the countries, there are some form of protection against credit card fraud. But identity theft is hugely painful for consumers to unwind. But consumers, because we see credit card fraud headlines all the time, um, that's the thing that's top of mind for them. And it's perceived as the more clear and present threat. So that was where people had the most concern. So again, it really just highlights the extent to which we have an education gap among consumers when it comes to fraud. Julie, a few minutes ago, you talked about the initiative of the Reserve Bank of India. As you look at all the regions that you surveyed, what encourages you in terms of pending moves by regulators, organizations as we enter 2017? One of the things that encourages me is just the extent to which we do see cybersecurity initiatives coming to the forefront. It's no longer an afterthought, and you know, cybersecurity goes much is much broader than just fraud prevention, but at the end of the day, we need to stop this easy pipeline of data that is that is feeding these criminal organizations. Um, I also think that you, know, you look at what's happening in Europe right now with uh, the implementation of strong authentication as part of PSD2. And there was a headline that just came out today saying that the EBA is probably going to need more time to come up with the right regulation for strong authentication. Because it really is all about that balance between risk and customer experience. And you know, the, the, the proposed implementation of the strong authentication requirement was, was so draconian, in my opinion, and that of a lot of the folks I talked to, that it actually had the potential of impeding digital commerce. And that's not what we want to do. So it's, it's good to see regulators thinking some of these things through and taking a measured approach and looking at cause and effect before they just come to the market with regulation for the sake of regulation. Well, Julie, it's been fascinating to go through this report and to talk with you about it. And I look forward to discussing updates to this as well as your other research in 2017. Thank you very much. As do I. Thanks a lot, Tom. Always good to speak with you. The topic has been the Global Security Engagement Scorecard. I've been speaking with Julie Conroy, Research Director with ITA Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.